born in that particular tomb. No one comes into this world with a personal living relationship with God. We're separated from him because of our sin, because of our guilt, because of our shame. And spiritual darkness means we don't have the light, no spiritual light. We don't have no spiritual understanding. We don't even know how. We don't have the truth that sets us free to be able to live the life God called us to live. And so this song doesn't deal with the physical grave, but the spiritual grave and, and just those words, he called my name. I was buried underneath my shame. I was, I was breathing, but I wasn't alive. That was my tomb until I met you and you called my name and I ran out of that grave. What, what a powerful word that is in that song. But it caused me to think of this question that I want you to ponder with me this morning. And that is this, when God calls our name, when he called my name, he spoke to my heart. And I recognized who he was, I recognized what I needed and I received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I received at that time, I came out of that spiritual grave, that spiritual tomb, I received the gift of eternal forgiveness of sin, I received the gift of eternal life and I entered into this incredible personal living relationship with the Lord. But here's the question I wanna ask you because I trust many of you, maybe not all, but many of you have also run out of that grave. Uh, he called your name, he spoke to your heart. Is this all there is? To what it means to be a follower of Christ. Is that it? Or is there more? Well, to answer that question, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning for just a few moments here to Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossia. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking in verses 15 through 18. So let me just tell you up front that the, the main word for us is at the end of verse 18, but the Apostle Paul sets the table, what I call, he sets the table to come to a conclusion that's very, very important to us and helps answer that question, is that all there is? Or is there more to this incredible personal living relationship that we have with the Lord. We just finished 2022, we entered into a new year, so it's important for us to clearly understand and know what the answer to that question is and how that is to be lived out in our lives. So as we begin here in verse 15, Colossians chapter one, Paul is gonna spend most of this passage just dealing with Jesus himself, who he is. In fact, beginning in verse 15, he focuses first of all on his person. Who is he? And here's the way he begins. He begins by saying he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That just simply means he is the perfect total manifestation of the Lord God of heaven and earth. And that's important because in our day and time, as you know, if you're looking and you're listening, our faith is beginning to get smaller and smaller. 
the Christian faith, followers of Christ becoming less and less because there's this constant bombardment of the world out there that is against Christ. You say, oh, well, he's just a person just like us. He was just a person just like us. Or they may go as far as say, well, he was a powerful teacher. And some may even go a little bit further and say, well, he was a prophet of God. Well, he was a person. He was the God-man. He was a powerful teacher, the greatest teacher that's ever walked on this earth. And he was, in that sense, a prophet of God. But he is much more than that. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the perfect manifestation, total manifestation of the Lord God Almighty himself. So that if you're approached by anyone in 2023 about, oh, well, Jesus was just this or this, or that, you just open up the word and say, let me tell you exactly who he is. The perfect, total manifestation of the Lord God of heaven and earth. But he doesn't stop there. Because he continues by saying not only that he is the image of the invisible God, he adds to that the firstborn of all creation. And if Paul had just stopped there, we might be caught in kind of a catch-22 because just that phrase in and of itself, by itself, he's the firstborn of all creation, makes us think, well, maybe he was created. But that's not what Paul's saying at all. That phrase, firstborn, is used in a very unique way here. And he answers that in the rest of verse 16. Listen carefully to what he says. He, just, he defines it for us. So I want you to make sure you get this as followers of Christ. He says, for by him, verse 16, by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Who is this? It's Jesus. So not only is he the perfect total manifestation of the Lord God Almighty of heaven and earth, he is the creator of all things by him, through him, and for him. And then he adds this in verse 17, all talking about his person. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So who is Jesus? Who's this one that called you out of that grave? Who's the one who, who has provided this incredible gift of eternal forgiveness and the gift of eternal life? The perfect, total manifestation of the eternal Lord God of heaven and earth, creator and sustainer of all of it. That's who he is. But then he goes a step further. He not only focuses on his person, he's setting the table. Listen to me carefully. He's setting the table for a conclusion. He also makes focus or focuses on his position. And that begins in verse 18. So I want you to listen carefully to this. He says, he is also the head of the body, the church. And then he adds this. And he's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. He mentions two positions of Christ here. The first position is this. He is sovereign ruler. He is the head. That means he's the one who is in control. 
What does that mean for us? Listen, what does it mean for me as a senior pastor? What does it mean for our staff here at Washington Baptist Church? What does that mean for the spiritual leadership, whatever that position is, trustees, deacons, Sunday school team, whatever that position is, all through the body of Christ? What does that mean? That means we, do, listen carefully, do not miss this. We do not make one decision until we first and foremost have run it by the head. Are you with me? Say amen. In other words, we, we start with him. I don't know how it kind of developed through 2020, 2022 or uh, whatever, but just that, that phrase, start with God and stay with God, just became a part of my vocabulary and a part of my life. And, and, and so it applies in every area and, and especially when it comes to the body of Christ here, all right? I, 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 I'm, I'm not the head of the body of Christ here. Trustees are not the head of the body here. Deacons are not head of the body here. Sunday school teachers are not head of the body here. There is no one head of the body except the Lord Jesus Christ. And he just spoke to me through uh, back there in the back that I need to let the children go for children's church. <laughs> They're flashing something up there. And I said, now, what are they doing? So kids, if you want to, just go ahead and go on the children's trip. <laughs> I wanted to get in the words so fast, I just forgot about them. Thank you up there for being sharp and on point. All right, thank you so much. So this is who Jesus is. Remember, he's setting it up for a conclusion that relates directly to us as well. But I want to make sure you understand that we, we just have this tendency to, to just go forward thinking we're smart enough, we're strong enough, we're creative enough, and we can just make these decisions concerning the body of Christ and the church, and none of us is the head. So we start with him and we stay with him going all the way through, all right? So he's sovereign ruler. Secondly, he also is a saving redeemer because he adds this to the phrase, and he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. Well, Jesus wasn't the first one resurrected. In fact, Jesus during his earthly ministry raised others from the dead. But here's the difference. His resurrection, are you listening? Say amen. His resurrection is the only resurrection unto eternal life. All those that he raised to, uh, from the dead during his earthly ministry also lived to die again, but not Jesus. And so he's the firstborn. He is the saving redeemer because his resurrection is unto eternal life. Now, so that Jesus just, I mean, Paul just, shared all of this about Jesus, his person, his position to come to this conclusion. So listen carefully to it. He says, so that he, Jesus himself, will come to have first place in everything. Not just his person, not just his position, his preeminence. That's what that word means. That's what that phrase means. Preeminence. 
first place in most things? No. Many things? No. Just a few sacred things? No. In everything. So here's the question. I had to ask myself this question. You look back into 2022, I had to look at it in my own life. I looked at it in terms of my faith, my family, finances, my fellowship within the body of Christ itself. Did Jesus have first place in every facet of my life? Did he have preeminence? The one who called me out of that grave, I had to ask myself that question. Did he have preeminence in every facet of my life? Even though I've broken down into my faith, my family, my finance, my fellowship, everything involving the body of Christ, I had to ask myself that question. But I'm also asking you, as you think back in 2022, as you think of starting 2023, did Jesus have preeminence in every significant decision on a daily basis as you live it out your life? Did you start with him? He has first place. Do you start with him and stay with him? Did you start with him? Did you stay with him? Or did you do like I did on more occasions than I'm willing to admit? Just jump right in there. Didn't ask him anything. And just grabbed hold of it and started running myself. You say, well, does that really make a big, big difference? Let me just share some things with you here. I want you to take your Bibles, or you will look at it on the screen as well, of course. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. It goes longer than that, but I think this will help me begin to lay out what I want to share with you here. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is talking about foundations, and he says this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. What was the rock? These words are mine. Jesus says, my guidance, my instructions, my principles, my promises, my precepts, words of instruction to you, if you will start with me and if I will have first place and in being first place, you listen to my words in every facet of your life, yes, the rain is going to come and the storms are going to come. It's living in a fallen world, but you will not fall. Your faith will not fall. Your family will not fall. Your finances will not fall. Your fellowship, all involved in the body of Christ, will not fall because I have preeminence, first place in all of these areas of your life. You say, okay, but what does that look like? Good question. So let's look at what we experience 
in the areas of our life, I'm going to put it this way. In every facet of my life where I place Jesus in first place, that is, I'm, he's the head. I, I start with him on everything in that area of my life. I come to him. I seek in his direction. What will I experience if he is preeminent in my faith, if he's preeminent in my family, if he's preeminent in my finances, my fellowship, every facet? Three things. Jot this down. First of all, you're going to experience the Lord's grace. Oh, that's so important. Don't overlook that. I, I want you to look at a verse. It, it applies more to finance than anything, but in, in terms of the context, I'd rather put it that way in terms of the context, but it apply, it's the principle applies to every facet of our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 8. And here's what Paul wrote. He says, God is able. Listen to this. What God? Almighty God, creator of all. Everything created by him, through him, and for him. God is able to make all grace, not just a touch, not just a little bit here and a little bit there, but all grace. As you've heard me describe it before, like you're under a waterfall, <laughs> you know, just being drenched with the grace of God. Listen to this. God is able to make all grace overflow to you. That's, that's where I get that image of the waterfall just overflowing. And you, you're sitting there just, you're just being drenched. So that always have, having all sufficiency. Look at, listen to these, this, these words here. All sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. A lot of people confuse grace and mercy. Mercy is God's loving kindness. And it was his mercy that took him to the cross. His unconditional, unchanging love, his loving kindness is the reason he set aside his glory, became the God-man, he who knew no sin, to be sin for us on the cross, pay in full, make atonement for the guilt of all of our sin so that we could have for eternal forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. That was his incredible mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Do I have a witness on that? But grace is God's enablement. It's God enabling you to do, even at salvation. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's his enablement. Whether you're on the mountain, whether you're in the valley, whatever life brings, whatever direction that storm comes, and that wind blows, if that area of your life, Christ has preeminence. He has first place. You come to him. You get direction from him. You start with him. You stay with him. He's going to pour out this incredible grace, his divine enablement in your life to deal with whatever life deals to you. 
not only his grace, but notice also his guidance, the Lord's guidance. Psalms 32, verse 8. Oh, what a beautiful verse. Listen to it. God says this. Don't miss this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will advise you with my eye upon you. His guidance, his divine guidance. We're out there floundering like a fish out of water because the wind's blowing and the storm's coming and we try to know what do we do and how do we handle this and whatever. And, and Christ said, listen, if I'm pre, listen, he is the Lord. Do I have a witness on that? He's Lord. The question is, is he Lord of your life? When he is preeminent, he's Lord. And he says, when I'm Lord, when you are, when I have first place in that area of your life, not only am I going to overflow you with my grace, but with my guidance, my eye, my eye, God's divine, perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom, knowledge of all things at all times to guide you. Who would not want that? Why, why would we be foolish enough? And I'm looking at myself and saying, well, you've done it. But why would we not want his grace overflowing? Why would we not want his divine, perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom of all things of all time guiding me in what I'm doing in that area of my life? My faith, my family, my finance, my fellowship. Not only his grace, not only his guidance, but of course his great power. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul talks about this. Listen carefully to how it's worded. Ephesians 3, 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. That word think means imagine. I got a pretty good imagination. But I could take your imagination, put it together with my imagination, the imagination of everybody else, of just how great God is. And God says, look, I am exceedingly abundantly beyond all that. But notice how he words it. According to the power that works within us. Now, if I've shut the door, he doesn't have first place. I've got first place. I'm smart enough, God. I'm strong enough, God. I'm creative enough, God, to do, handle all this myself. No grace, no guidance, no power. It's not that he's left you or forsaken you. He's knocking at the door of your heart, he, your life. But you got to open up that door and say, you come in. You have preeminence in this area. That's what you get to experience. I'm just touching the surface on that. So what does all that look like? Let's just get down to where the rubber meets the road. How, how does it look like in practice? So jot these four things down. What, not only what we experience, but how we embrace this. First of all, by surrender. By surrendering. I, I love, I generally give you Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I just want to give you verse 6 uh, for right now uh, as it is given to us. And it's up there on the screen. And he, he says, in all your way, watch this carefully. This is what surrender looks like. Are you listening? Say amen. In all your ways. Some, no, 
Many, no, most, no, all. Your ways. Acknowledge him. What does that mean? Start with him. Stay with him. Start with him. Stay with him. And he'll make your path straight. He's going to, he's going to have it all the way through. No matter what it is, he will be in charge all the way through. It's what you want, right? By surrendering. Not only by surrendering, but by supplication as well. Matthew 7, 7, you know this. I mean, Jesus taught us this. Listen to it. He's trying to tell us what to do here. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and and the door will be open. Who's taking the initiative? I am. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. To whom? The one who is the perfect total manifestation of almighty God of heaven and earth. That's who I'm asking and seeking and knocking before. In other words, I gotta get involved with him. It's called conversation. It's called communion with the Lord. And our study of yes changes everything. One of the first things we had to determine was, can you discern the voice of God? I mean, we got voices coming into our lives from every direction. Do I have a witness on that? I I mean, and some of it is, wow, it's really, really bad stuff, obviously. But then there's some who, that that Satan is kind of, he's subtly twisting truth. And so we get all this stuff spoken into us. And the only voice we really need to hear is that of the Lord. Why is it sometimes I go on a sabbatical? because all of y'all were speaking in my ear and I'm just totally confused. So I go to get alone so I can hear the one voice and the only one voice that I need to hear from. Jesus, the Lord God of heaven and earth. He speaks to the Holy Spirit and he speaks to the Holy Scripture which brings us to the third thing, not only by surrendering and by supplication, but by seeking, what is it, seeking the truth, listen, the truth that will set you free. Would you not like to be free in 2023? Wouldn't that be an incredible spiritual goal in every facet of, listen, we got more strongholds, we've got more uh, areas where we're in bondage that we're even willing, not just recognize, but even know. And the only thing that can set us free is truth. Truth. And here's what it says in Psalms 119 and 105. We're talking about being able to see, talking about being able to understand how to live this life. Your word is a lamp to my feet a light to my path. Surrender. By surrendering, by supplication, by seeking, and then lastly, by stepping out. What does that mean? Do what he tells you to do. There's an old song, most of you know it, 
if, if you grew up in church like I grew up, praise the Lord, I had parents who loved the Lord. We don't sing it much down here. We sing it up there called Trust and Obey. How many of you know that song? Trust and Obey. There is no other way <laughs> to be happy, to be blessed, <laughs> but to trust and obey. You see, you can't separate those two. That's why that song is so powerful. If you trust the Lord, you'll obey him. Obeying the Lord proves you trust him. So you do what he tells you to do. That's how you know he really has preeminence. That's how you know he's really having first place in that facet, in that area of your life. Because you start with him, you stay with him, and you do whatever he tells you to do. It says in Matthew 9, 29, uh, kind of closing with this, but Jesus was dealing with two blind men who asked him to be merciful to them. In other words, Lord, could you help us to see? Can you heal our blindness? That's really what they were asking. And so he looked at them and said, well, do you believe? Do you trust? And they said, yes. And so in verse 29, it says, he touched their eyes saying this, it shall be done for you according to your faith. You have to step out. Trust and obey. 